Well, I woke up this morning with a, the Lord started dealing with me about something yesterday. And um, when I woke up this morning, I had a very clear direction uh, for what he wanted me to, to approach today, for us to, to focus on today. But I reserve the right as your pastor <laughs> to go back at my later date and pick up on the, 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 the flow that I've been on about the, the humility that we see in the Bible. We'll go back to that. But today, if you'll join me in John chapter 7, the Lord specifically said to me, there is help that we need that some of us have not been accessing the way we should and could. Okay? There is help that we need. The Lord says we need this help. But some of us are not accessing it as we could or should. And so I want to, first of all, help us identify this help. And then um, we're just going to follow the Lord uh, as, as He directs us. John chapter 7 Uh, verse 37, Jesus, it says, in that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, now stop and think about what's going on. There is a public celebration of a, a traditional feast going on in the city. And so they are performing this, this ceremony that they have, that they pull the water out of the, the fountain scent, uh, out of the pool, and they carry it through a certain part of town, and they bring it to a place, and they pour it out as a drink offering unto the Lord. They're celebrating this in uh, recognition of when David's mighty men went and got water out of the well of Bethlehem and had to fight the Philistines who were holding that well, uh, control of that well. They fought with their lives just to get David a drink of water because he had made the statement, oh, how I long to drink water from the well there in Bethlehem. They fought and risked their lives and came back with that water and David because they risked their lives, David said, this water is too valuable now for me to drink it. And he poured it out as an offering unto the Lord. And so that celebration is going on in this city. And in the middle of it all, Jesus interrupts the feast. He interrupts this celebration. He interrupts this tradition. And he announces, I am the drink offering. I'm the drink offering. That's what he's, he's saying. He said, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. We know Jesus in chapter 4 of this same book, the book of John, Jesus talked about water being in us as a well. When he was there and the woman of Samaria came and and gave him a drink of water, he said, he that believes on me, he will have living water as a fountain, as a well in him. But now Jesus is identifying not only a well, but a river. He said, rivers of living water. 
Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What's the difference between a well and a river? What's the difference between a personal supply and a river that supplies for the multitudes? He says in verse 39, it brings clarity to the river of living water. This he spake of the, the Spirit. This he spake of the Spirit. Jesus is talking about this well of water, this, I'm sorry, this rivers, rivers, plural, this, this flow of rivers of living water, and it says he's speaking of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, was not yet given because, why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. When was Jesus glorified? As he was seated at the right hand of the Father. That's after his death. That's after his resurrection. And, and after his ascension. Correct? He is glorified. And then it says the Holy Spirit will be given. That's the impl implication here. The Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So let's look at two, two scriptures that talk from Jesus' own words of right before He ascends to be glorified, what we should be expecting. Let's look first at Luke 24. And 49. Luke 24 and 49. This is the last statement in red before he is ascended, before he, he goes up in the air uh, and is seated, ta taken to heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father. This is the last instructions he's giving. Verse 49 Behold, I sinned. I send. So whose idea is this? Jesus' idea. I send the promise of my Father. Who started the idea? The Father. The promise of the Father, I will send. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So now they're expecting. He's ascending to take the position to be glorified and to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And He gives this instruction that there He will be sending the promise of the Father. Acts chapter 1, the promise of the Father. What, what is the promise of the Father? He tells us clearly in Acts chapter 1. Let's begin in this text with verse 4, which is also giving this last conversation before Jesus is ascended and seated at the Father's right hand. Verse 4, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, not many days from now. This is the promise of the Father, that you will receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He says, 
wait for the promise, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wait for the promise. The promise is, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is come upon you. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And this power will give them power to be witnesses. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So he says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, this baptism in the Holy Spirit you will receive supernatural power. It's the word dunamis. It is in the concordance defined as force, strength, power, ability, worker of miracles. That's in the Strong's Concordance definition, worker of miracles. You shall receive the worker of miracles. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Miraculous power is another definition. So you will receive force. You will receive strength. You will receive ability. You will receive the worker of miracles. You will receive miraculous power after the Holy Spirit is come upon you. Now, I have, I have encountered people who said that they did not get born again, the disciples were not born again, until the Holy Spirit fell in the upper room. But I just want to bring to your attention the conversation Jesus had with His disciples after He rose from the dead in John 24... Or John 20, verse 24, I think it is. Let me look. Just go over there so that you can look because either way we know they got saved. But for the, the understanding of what Jesus is speaking of here in John, we want to clarify. John 20 and verse 22, actually. Jesus has just appeared to His disciples. He's raised from the dead, but He has not yet ascended to take the place at the right hand. So he is in his resurrected body, but he has not been seated at the right hand of the Father yet. And he appears to his disciples and he makes a statement, an instruction, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. This receiving of the Holy Spirit is what we were talking about from John chapter 4, the well of water. They were born again. Every person who is born again has the Holy Spirit in their heart. You can't be born again without Him. He's the one who brings the life of God into our spirits. So every believer has the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. It says that the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Greater is He who is in you. But Jesus said in John, in, in uh, Acts 1 and in Luke 24 that the Holy Spirit would come on you. 
Well, he's already talked to them here in John 20 and helped the disciples receive the Holy Spirit in them. Yeah. Why? Because they, the evidence of, the, of being born again is the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Right? Amen. The evidence that we are born again is the fruit of the Spirit. And we see them showing great joy in Luke 24. Go back to Luke 24 because we want the evidence, right? Where's Luke 24? It says in verse 52, they worshiped him. He's ascending. And then they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. So we have evidence that the fruit of the Spirit is in them because they have great joy. And so when, when I learned this concept, I recognized that when the disciples, there's a difference between receiving the Holy Spirit when I'm born again and receiving the Holy Spirit coming upon me in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus said to them, you will need to wait for the promise of the Father, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He will come upon you and you will have the worker of miracles coming upon you, working with you so that you can be a witness unto me into all the earth. And so they recognized the Holy Spirit in them and the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Let's go ahead and read when the Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set, circle the word upon, upon them. That's what Jesus told them to expect. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. He said, you will receive power when or after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So upon them each of them, upon each of them, the Holy Spirit has come. Verse 4, And they were all filled with, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began, what happened when they were filled? They began to speak. Who, who spoke? Did it say the Holy Spirit spoke? They spoke. They were filled. They were all filled. And the result of the filling was an overflow out of their spirit, an overflow out of their own mouths. They spoke with other tongues. How? As the Spirit gave them utterance. So they, they employed their mouth. They opened their mouth, they moved their mouth, but they didn't come up with the words that were in their mouth. The Holy Spirit gave them utterance. We need that help. We need that help right there. We need the utterance He gives. 
We need the utterance He gives. This is God's plan, Jesus' plan, that you and I have fullness and operate in the fullness. Operate in the fullness. Not just say, I, I received once ten years ago, but I have yielded to His filling and His utterances. Be, and, and as a result, I am seeing what He's put in my mouth. He gives utterance that you need, that I need. He gives utterance. What does this utterance do for us? Well, we know in this instance what they were saying. Look at verse uh, 11, Acts 2.11. It says, we hear them speak in our tongues. Well, they were speaking in tongues. They didn't know what they were saying, but other people could understand them. They were supernaturally speaking just out of the overflow of this infilling of the Holy Spirit. And when the words came out, the Holy Spirit put words in their mouth that glorified God and other people could understand it. We speak in our tongues. They, they are speaking the wonderful works of God. The wonderful works of God. There are times that you get so full of praise and so full of gratitude and so full of a desire to worship God and it seems like your English words just can't hit the mark. Your English words just aren't getting the job done. You're not limited. That's the Holy Spirit saying, just let me put some words in your mouth. I can help you praise God like you are. That desire can be fulfilled and that honor can be, can be dis distributed to Him if you'll let the Holy Spirit give you utterance. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 14, and I'm, and I'm just going to visit there because I don't want to get way ahead of myself, but let's, let's just look at one thing while we're talking about this. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 16, Else when you shall bless with the Spirit, when you shall bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at the giving of thanks? Because he doesn't understand what you're saying. What is he talking about? They were blessing God in tongues. And the, the emphasis of the chapter is that's good, but not in the public service. <laughs> that's good, but don't confuse people who don't understand yet by, by standing up and doing your service or doing your worship in, in tongues and then people aren't edified because they don't understand what you're saying. He says in verse 17, you do truly give thanks well, but the other is not edified. And then he said, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. So we know he's talking about blessing God, giving thanks to God in tongues. Hallelujah. And it's good. Not from necessarily behind the pulpit unless the Lord directs in a certain way and there's going to be an interpretation for that. But for you in your personal time to give thanks to glorify, to worship God, 
through the help of the Holy Spirit giving you utterance to speak, that's good. He said, you give thanks well. So you want to know, there's, a, there's a, a, an unlimited giving of thanks available to you through the utterance of the Holy Spirit. We need that help. We need this help that He brings to us. So now Jesus has identified that the promise of the Father is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And Scripture identifies that when they were filled, they spoke with tongues. Now I want to show you next that in the New Testament church, whenever they got saved, the leaders of the church followed up with making sure they received of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, not stopping at the salvation of the well of the Spirit, but going into the fullness of all that God has by receiving of the baptism. So first let's look at the example of when Philip was getting the people in Samaria saved, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Verse 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the Word of God. Is that how you get saved? They had received the Word of God. They were born again. They were alive unto God. They were... They were recipients of the Holy Spirit indwelling them because they had received the Word of God. And the Bible says when you receive the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, you are born again. So they were born again. And what did the apostles, the leaders of the church, who were at Jerusalem do when they found out that this, this village or this town had received Jesus, had, had received the salvation? The very first thing, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Receive. Notice we never have to pray for God to give the Holy Spirit. He's already poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. There's no more on God's part to give. The part is on our part to receive of this gift and yield to the infilling or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So they didn't pray that God would give them the Holy Spirit. They prayed for them so that to help them receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet He... He is not an it. He, the Holy Spirit, He is the third person of the Godhead, a part of the Trinity. Jesus, when He taught us in John 14, 15, and 16 about the Holy Spirit, never referred to Him as an it, always referred to the Holy Spirit as a person. When we talk about the infilling or the baptism, we might say it meaning that experience, that pouring out, that infilling, that baptism in the Holy Spirit. But He, it said, He was fallen, where? Upon. Circle that right there, upon. You'll, it surprises us as we see, but it helps us to recognize how He moves. When He came upon Jesus at the 
bank of the Jordan after Jesus had been baptized in water. The Holy Spirit came upon him. It was not a bird that came upon Jesus. The Holy Spirit himself came in the form, in the fashion like a dove, but not a dove. He did not come in the body of a dove. He came gentle and flowing and, and, uh, and, and gently landed upon Jesus. In other words, he didn't swoop down like an eagle and go, whoa, like a predator coming on the prey. No, he came, the Holy Spirit came upon him. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Who's our example? Jesus is our example. So did Jesus already have the Spirit life in him? Yes. But still the Holy Spirit came up on him. Hallelujah. Arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen up on you. Hallelujah. The glory of the Lord through His Holy Spirit coming upon us. It's God's plan. It's His help for us to receive of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So they prayed for the people of Samaria to receive the Holy Spirit because He had not yet fallen upon any of them. They were only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. But I want you to notice the very first thing that the leaders of the church did after acknowledging that this group of people had been born again is they ensured that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, Acts 19 gives us another example of this same, same truth. The Apostle Paul is traveling around ministering the gospel. Verse 1, it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, what is the first question he asked these disciples? The very first thing in his, on his radar is, have you received? Have you, notice, did God give you wasn't the question. We know God has already given the gift of the Holy Spirit. He has sent the promise of the Father. So they never asked, did God give you? Because yes, He has given. But have you received what He has given? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe. So they were believers. What do they need? The Holy Spirit. And they said unto them, we've never heard about the Holy Spirit. And then his next question was, how were you baptized? And they said, we were baptized in John's baptism. And so he preached Jesus to them. They had been gathering together without the understanding of Jesus and his sacrifice and the new birth and so they they've believed on what they heard preached through John that was coming through Jesus but so he preaches Jesus he it says they were baptized verse 5 in the name of the Lord Jesus and what does he do next 
Verse 6, when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them. The Holy Spirit came on them. And what happened when the Holy Spirit came on them? The same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came on the believers in the upper room. The Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke with tongues and they just got saved. I mean, they just got born again. They'd been gathering under John's baptism, but now they have received Jesus. They've got new life. Now the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And not only are they speaking in tongues, but now the gift of simple prophecy is operating in them. Why? Because tongues is the doorway to the supernatural. The Holy Spirit's the one who has the gifts. Those gifts in, in 1 Corinthians 12, the gift of the word of wisdom, the gift of the word of knowledge, the gift of discerning of spirits, the gifts of healings, the gifts of, of the uh, 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 prophecy, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues. All of those gifts are His. They're not ours. He divides separately as He wills. He, and how to, if He's not upon us, He can't divide through us. So if we want to bring that help to the body, we've got to have the help upon us. He's the helper. He's the help. He's the helper. He's the comforter. He's the strengthener. Be strong in the Lord. And the power of His might. How do I be strong in the Lord and the power of His might? Let the power supply live in you and on you. Be full. Be filled. Hallelujah. So we have two examples of the early church leaders identifying that a group of people is born again and then following that immediately with an emphasis that they receive the fullness of what God has supplied in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, in both of those instances, they laid hands on them. But that's not always the case. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, and we're going to see in this that the hands were not laid on them, but we're also going to see that it identified to the church leaders of their salvation. Acts chapter 10, Peter is preaching in Cornelius' house. Cornelius was not a Jew. Cornelius was a centurion. He was a, a, a person in, involved in the Roman uh, uh, government, army. He, he was not Jewish but he had a heart for God and he was seeking God and God had sent uh, for, uh, he had given Peter a vision not to call unclean what God calls clean and after that vision, the Holy Spirit said to Peter, there are three people who are going to be down at the gate, go with them. 
And it was people that had been sent from Cornelius' house because the, the angel told Cornelius to call for Peter and that Peter would come and preach what they needed to hear to receive salvation. So Peter goes with these three men. This is his sermon as he is preaching. It, it, he is preaching in this group of people who, according to um, Jewish understanding, these people can't be saved. They're not Jewish. And God was trying to break them out of that thinking. And so here Peter is preaching to Cornelius and this house of people who are not Jewish. And verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words. What's, what words? He's preaching Jesus. They're receiving the words that are causing them to receive the life of God. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Spirit fell where? On them. So they're getting saved as they're, they're believing on the gospel being preached to them. They're accepting it, receiving it. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them. No laying on of hands. They received. Why? Because they were hungry. They were hungry and they I just don't want a little bit. I just don't want enough just to get in the door. I want all that God has for me. I'm, I'm not here just for the, the mashed potatoes and, and a chicken wing. I want, I want the okra and I want those sliced tomatoes over there and, and I want you to give me some of those macaroni and cheese right there. And I, I know it's wrong for me to be preaching about food right now, but I'm telling you, we want everything on the table. I know who's been cooking. Everything my grandma made was good. I never, thankfully she never put liver and onions before me, but everything my grandma made was good. I knew that if it was on the table, it was going to be good in my mouth. And I'm telling you, everything that God has for you is good. The Holy Spirit and of His fullness, speaking in tongues is good for you. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is good for you. We need what He brings to us in the infilling. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, that means the religious Jewish leaders even in the church, they were astonished. This is Christian leaders Jewish leaders who had accepted Jesus, but they still didn't think a non-Jewish person could be saved by God. They were astonished because on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, they can't be saved if... They, 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 they have to be saved to receive the Holy Spirit. And I see the Holy Spirit has come on them, so that's proof to me God saved them. Because the only prerequisite to the baptism in the Holy Spirit is that you be born again. And it, we see from here, it doesn't have to be for two weeks or two months or two years to qualify. They were born again and filled in the same moment yeah. 
In the same span of time, they received of the fullness. And it says that it ministered evidence to those Jewish leaders. Those Jewish leaders looked, they were Christians, they believed that God saved, but they were astonished that God could save a non-Jewish group of people and what proved to them God had saved them was that these people received the same Holy Spirit they had received. And they were speaking in tongues, verse 46, for they heard them, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Again, it's possible to magnify God with our tongues. With, the whole, with speaking in the Holy Spirit, magnifying God. Hallelujah. So we see this as an emphasis in Scripture. This is emphasis that the Father spoke of. Jesus gave specific instructions to the disciples concerning the receiving of the Holy Spirit's baptism. And then the early church gave specific emphasis to believers receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. It is only in our, our society that people and denominations, even Christian denominations, have that off to the side as something that they say is either passed away or not for us today. We need the utterances that He brings to us. We need the power supply that He brings to us. Now, I want to show you why. Go to 1 Corinthians 2. Hallelujah. Verse, we'll begin in verse 7. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. You could say natural eye. Let's, let's find this category. Natural eye has not seen. Natural ear has not heard. And it hasn't entered into the natural understanding of man. The natural comprehension of man. But God has revealed unto us by His Spirit. The things. What? What has He revealed? Go back to the previous verse. The things which God has prepared for them that love Him. This is why the Apostle Paul prayed the way he prayed in Ephesians 1. That they would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you so that their understanding would be enlightened, fully flooded with light, so that they could know what is the hope of His calling. So that they could know what is the riches of the... You can't even see the inheritance of God with your natural thoughts. 
You can't see it with your natural understanding. For you to understand the inheritance of God that belongs to you, you are an heir of God. An heir of God. A joint heir. Joint heirs receive equal portions. Your natural mind can't even wrap around joint heir. You've got to have your spirit seeing. You've got to have this revealed to your spirit that you are are called of God. The hope of His calling. How are you going to see it? You've got to have your spirit filled with wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. You've got to have the help of the Holy Spirit to see what belongs to you. Things God has prepared for you. For you to see it, you've got to see it with your spirit. And for you to see it with your spirit, you need the help of the Holy Spirit who shows you things. He shows you things. And it says, we speak the wisdom of God. That's what verse 7 started with. These are words that need to be spoken. Utterances, spiritual utterances that need to be released into the atmosphere of our home. Your car should be surrounded with utterances of no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. No no evil shall befall me. Hallelujah. In my pathway there is life. There's too many people trying to put on their makeup and, and, and post on Facebook while they're driving down the road. You need the word, the utterances of the Spirit surrounding your car like a fortress. Hallelujah. These utterances, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Verse 9, again, He's prepared things for us. Verse 10 These things are revealed unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God knows everything in God's heart. The Spirit of God knows every plan of God for your life. The Spirit of God knows every detail of what God has authored for your destiny. The Spirit of God knows every detail about how you were created. Amen? And if you are communing with the one who knows everything God knows... If you are interacting and receiving information from the one who knows everything God knows. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have received, verse 12, we have received, say this, I have received received. the Spirit which is of God. God. I've received the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. We have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Why? Why? So that we might know. So that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So He has placed His spirit in us and on us so that we can know and operate in all of His plan. Now,
verse 13. Which things also we speak. What things? The things are freely given to us. The Holy Spirit shows us. And then He prompts us to utter. He prompts us. Everything in the kingdom of God is voice activated. Faith is, a, is, is the receiving force that God has built into your believing system. And faith believes and speaks. Faith isn't finished if speaking isn't in part, in part of that process. Faith equals believing plus speaking. It says, we therefore have believed and therefore we speak. So faith is believing and speaking. So he's showing us things that eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard, but my spiritual understanding can receive it. He's showing me things I need to know so that the devil never gets a foothold. He never gets an advantage. He never has the upper hand in my life. I have access to all of the inside information. And then I began to speak out what the Holy Spirit is revealing to me. I'm, he's giving me words. It says, verse 13, We speak these things not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but the words which the Holy Spirit teaches. Utterances in the Spirit. Hallelujah. And they might come out in tongues and end up bringing understanding to you. Oral Roberts, anybody who knows ORU, Oral Roberts ministry that was so, such an impact of the healing power of God, and then God directed him to build the university. He said that he prayed in the Spirit and then asked God to show him what he prayed every step of that building process. He interpreted what he had prayed in the Spirit. We need those utterances. There are some things you've been banging your head trying to figure out what, how to fix it. Stop, stop. If, if you sit down in front of a file cabinet and you look through that file cabinet and you don't find what you're looking for and then you start from the back and then you search through every folder in that file cabinet and you still didn't find it, so you pull all the folders out and you sit down on the floor and folder by folder you open every folder, look through every document in every folder, set it by your side and you still don't find it. Let me tell you, the answer's not there. The answer's not in your mind. There are spiritual things you're trying to fix and the answer's not in the mind, but the answer is in the Spirit. The answer's in the Spirit realm. And we've got to fellowship with the One who holds all the answers. We've got to rely on Him. We've got to let Him teach us the words to say. There are things that our words, if we will just... Turn the ship. The, the words of our mouth are like a rudder of a ship. You can turn the direction of that huge vessel with just that little tiny rudder. And if you will let the Holy Spirit give you utterances and teach you the words to say, you can turn that thing that needs to be turned. Amen. Everything is going my way. 
Everything is going my way. The Holy Spirit gave me that utterance. I was banging my head against the door trying to get things to work for me, trying to get things to happen. And I kept running into roadblocks and running into dead ends. And finally one day I was bringing in my groceries and I'm carrying all those sacks of groceries in and out of my spirit, the Holy Spirit just began to to, uh, just well up on the inside of me and I began, everything is going my way, my way, everything is going my way. And my head went, Lord, that sounds like, that sounds like I'm being, you know, like what, that's, that's about me. And then, and then he said this, I have prayed in the spirit i have partnered with the lord everything is going my way and i sang that for weeks and the scripture he gave me was all things work together for good to them who are called of God. What is that connected to? Praying in the Spirit. I had to sing it to bring it out of my spirit so that it could go into my situation and turn situations that I wasn't turning in the natural. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit teaches. Words the Holy Spirit teaches. Spiritual utterances that the Holy Spirit teaches. Hallelujah. Verse 14, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The things of the Spirit of God... Say this, the things of the Spirit of God are spiritually discerned. The things of the Spirit of God are spiritually discerned. Hallelujah. We must be skilled in walking in the Spirit. This is not the time to pat-a-cake, pat-a-cake, baker's man. This is not the time to tiptoe through the tulips. This is not the time to, to treat casually this privilege of having access to the one who knows everything in the heart of God. We've got to ask Him to teach us what to say. We've got to ask Him to teach us how to answer situations. We've got to rely on Him to teach us the words and the wisdom of God so that we can continually be out in front and never be caught, un, uh, caught off, off guard. Hallelujah. They are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges, and the word judge means to examine, investigate, to scrutinize. He that is spiritual examines all things. He that is spiritual investigates. We've got to learn how to investigate. We've got to ha- learn how to investigate. We've got to learn when, the, when, we, when we see a lifting of peace and suddenly, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Where did my peace go? I had the peace of God just a few minutes ago and something has caused that peace just to lift off. I'm not moving until I find and get that peace back in place. Sometimes it's a phone call that just violates your peace. Sometimes it's something that you saw on TV. You've got to learn how to stop and investigate what, what just bothered me about that phrase I heard. What just bothered me about that thing I just said. Hallelujah. Investigate, examine, scrutinize, check it closely. He that is spiritual checks closely all things. That's one of the definitions. It, it also means to inspect. The Apostle Paul, he says, what does the Word say? That was, that was his, his test. What does the Word say? Well, they're saying this. Yeah, but what does the Word say? That's a spiritual examination. The Bible says, examine yourself and see if you be in faith. Well, we need to examine ourselves and see, am I walking in love? Examine myself and see, do I have the peace of God that passes all understanding? If not, then I have let my mind, because if the peace is gone, it's something in the thought realm. Because it says that if you will cast all of your care upon the Lord, and that you'll keep your thoughts, whatever things are good, Philippians chapter 4, whatever things are good, whatever things are lovely, if there be a good report, if there be any praise... Think on these things. So if it, and then the peace of God will govern or guard your heart and mind. So if the peace is not guarding my heart and mind, what am I thinking about? See, I've got a, he that is spiritual examines. I'm not examining you. I, it's not, that's not my job for, as a believer to examine other believers. My job as a believer is to examine me. He that is spiritual examines it. what I'm listening to. I need to examine that. What I'm watching, I need to examine that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He that is spiritual examines, scrutinizes, investigates, inspects those things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All right. I have one more piece of this assignment, and it's in 1 Corinthians 14. Hallelujah. I know we went to 1 Corinthians 14 for another purpose, but we're going to go back and look in verse 2. Now again, the purpose of the letter to the church at Corinth was to bring a uh, stability because they were out of balance and they were very zealous and they had the gifts of the Spirit and they, were, they needed some order in the church. That's the purpose. We're receiving and gleaning truths from this correction that are helping us understand this value that being baptized in the Holy Spirit provides in our life. Chapter 14, verse 2, He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. He that speaks in tongues, who are you talking to? God. So I am never going to try to cast out a devil and use tongues. The only thing the devil needs to hear from me is in the name of Jesus. That's the authority to deal with him. When I speak in tongues, I'm speaking to God. 
Now that, that's for our personal speaking in tongues through the filling of the Holy Spirit. There is a gift that the Holy Spirit brings that's listed in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, when it says diverse kinds of tongues as the gift. That's in the public setting of the church setting or a group of believers and the Holy Spirit speaks through a tongue and then there will be an interpretation of tongues so that there can be an edification. If you'll look, if, when you read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, if you'll give your emphasis to edification, you'll be in line with the emphasis it was written for. He, he continually says, so that it may be done unto the edification. In other words, we're not here for any of us to show out. Amen. We're here to edify. Amen. We're here to build people up. We're here for everybody to leave strengthened. Everybody to leave feeling safe and secure and strong and nobody going out saying, Whoa, did you see how I spoke in tongues today? <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit who's given us any utterance or any moving of the gifts. So he says here, but I want us to back up again, back to our purpose. When I'm speaking in tongues... I'm speaking unto God, and God knows every tongue. Whatever, if you're speaking in the tongue of an angel, because it says in the previous chapter, verse 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, so if I'm speaking in a tongue of, uh, that's known to man or not known to man, a tongue of... God knows all languages. He knows every word I'm saying. He understands me perfectly. So when I speak in tongues, I'm speaking to God. Y'all, this is in the Bible a lot. We can't say, pull these scriptures out and set it aside. That's not for us today. This is for us today. The Holy Spirit's infilling, His baptism, His, His utterances, we need more than we know. Just say this with me right now. And just pray this with me. Father, show me how much I need to yield to the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Hallelujah. I believe you're going to receive the answer to that revelation. He's going to reveal that to you. So he that speaks in tongues speaks unto God. What else does this verse tell us that I need to, to, to identify? For no man understands him... Howbeit, in the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. When you, when you pray in tongues, you are speaking mysteries. Can you show me the Amplified of verse 2? He that speaks in tongues speaks unto God, and in the Spirit... He speaks mysteries. The Amplified says, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. Advantage! 
This is your advantage. You don't have to, you don't have to understand it to release faith for it. You don't have to understand it to pray it. You can pray trusting. You can pray in faith, speaking in tongues, and say, I believe I received what I just prayed in the Spirit. Because I have spoken secret truths and hidden things that are not obvious to the understanding. I need that. You need that. And if we would discipline ourselves to yield to Him regularly, consistently, continually, so that He has full utterance of everything that needs to be spoken out into your life, so that He's got access to pray out some things through your words, through your lips, through your voice, and you are believing that the things that you're praying in the Holy Spirit, God's doing and working and bringing to pass those things, you'll find out that it, it brings you to an, a level of progress in your life. There are things that may be held back because we haven't done this the way we should and could. Amen? Now... So I need those secret truths and those hidden things that are not obvious to the understanding. I can still speak them out. Remember those words the Holy Ghost teaches? Right? All right. And now let's look at verse 4. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Can you show me the Amplified for that one as well? He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. This word edify means to charge like a battery. He who speaks in a strange tongue edifies and improves himself. Robert Young, who was a Greek scholar, he is the one who in his concordance and his uh, commentary said the word edified is most easily understood by the way you charge a battery. Well, that was even before we had phones now. I mean, you, you, you've, got, you've got everywhere you go places that you can charge your phone. Right? In the airport, there's an area, a whole area just with plug-in so you can plug your phones in and your tablets in, right? I was at the hospital recently and they had a whole charging station for phones people could come and plug their phones all different kinds of cords because people are unexpectedly at the hospital and need to have access to call their family and so there's charging stations well you've got a charging station in him Amen. you never have to be depleted spiritually you never have to be in that little red zone where your battery's about to go down and you're about to lose contact with the outside world. No, 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 no. You've got a charging station, but you've got to plug it in, plug it in. You got to plug in so that if you, you have the charging station and the cord, but you keep unplugging the phone to do something with it, 
then it's never going to get its charged back up. You've got to plug it in and let that charge build the battery back up. And he says, he that speaks in tongues builds up his batteries, builds up, edifies himself. Hallelujah. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. But we know that all Scripture is inspired by God. So the Holy Spirit is the author of this Scripture. Verse 5 says, I would that you all spake with tongues. He says, we read it earlier in verse 18, I thank my God, I speak in tongues more than you all. He's not saying it boastful, he's saying... This is necessary. This is important. This is vital. But again, the purpose of the letter is not in the pulpit. Not the whole church in tongues. The whole church service in tongues. If we had the whole church service in tongues, none of us would understand unless the Holy Spirit gave us all interpretation. So that the purpose was that, but the purpose was for the correct time and place the correct time and place for speaking in tongues is in your personal life is wherever you are, whenever you are. You can pray in tongues while you're folding laundry. You can pray in tongues while you're driving down the road. You can pray in tongues while you're mowing the grass. You can pray in tongues while you're changing the oil. You can pray in tongues even in an elevator. You don't have to do it loud for everybody else to hear. It's not for them. Who are you talking to? We're talking to God. So we can whisper, but the utterance is what we need. The utterance He brings is what we need. It says when we do this, there is a spiritual supercharge that takes place. Now Jude, verse 20, also identifies this. It says, can you give me Jude? I'm not going to turn to it because i got something else here in 1 Corinthians. But Jude one twenty. Hallelujah. Maybe I do need to turn there to make sure I gave you the right verse. That's Judges. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. How do you build up yourself? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Spirit builds you up. You need that building. I'm going to be honest. There are sometimes we go through things and the natural process of having to walk through things, it, it has a drain on you spiritually. We recently had a, a, like a week where Liliana was fighting Uh, temperatures over 100 degrees. She was fighting the flu. And then that opened the door for a strep to attack her. And so she had the flu and strep. And we didn't know she had strep because I took her into the doctor and they said, it's just the flu. It's going to be over in a couple of days. Just keep her fever down. Give her Motrin. Give her Tylenol. And about day seven, Mama said, this is enough. This is enough. And I took her to to the children's hospital and that strep, had gotten into her bloodstream, so she had to have some pretty serious antibiotics. So it ended up being about 10, 11 days of this. And I wonder how people go through difficult situations without the Holy Spirit. 
because I was having to be, you know, nurse mom and caretaker and, oh, you know, watching over all of these things. So I had a lot of pulling away from my natural time that I would have been in the Word and would have had, had the regular flow. It, all of these extra things pulling on my spiritual strength. Praise God, I had a charge station with me. Praise God, I had the help of the Holy Spirit to lead me what to do in that situation to strengthen me spiritually because it's hard to go through anything if you're weak spiritually. And you won't even know it if you have just got all these things pulling and placing demands and drawing on your strength and you're having to deal with this over here and deal with this over The devil, he is a pile-on uh, uh, professional. He wants to pile it on. He doesn't just one problem here and I got that under control. If he has his way, he'll try to bring multifaceted. Is that what the book of, of uh, 1 John says? Or He says... My brethren, count it all joy when you are facing all of these multifaceted problems. I need this edification. I need this charging. And if I will learn, you know, I don't like to let my gas tank get under half a tank and I don't like to let my phone I know they say it's better for your phone battery not to to stay on charge all the time but I can't help it if I see it getting low I want to charge it up and the same thing about my spirit if I whoa 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 we're not going half tank strength here we're going to stay full I want to stay full be being filled hallelujah I have no idea what time it is y'all but I'm almost done he that speaks in a tongue edifies himself. He that speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Verse 13. Wherefore, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. You are authorized to ask God to let you understand what you're praying about. He may not always show you every detail, but if you, it says, let him that speaks in tongues pray that he may interpret. Ask. Ask, Lord, what am I praying? There are times that I may not know the specific, but I know the general direction of what I'm praying about. And then there are other times I have prayed in the Spirit and released my faith, and then as I've gone through the day, the answer just came up and I knew that's what I was praying about today. A specific thing would come up to me and I would just know it. Pray that you may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. What happens when you're praying in tongues? Your spirit is praying. But my understanding is, in, is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. Have you done that lately? Do you sing with the Spirit? Hallelujah. Oh, the joy. I will pray with the Spirit. I will sing with the Spirit. Now, I said I'm closing my last close, Romans 8. We need this help. 
We need this help more than we know. Romans 8. Likewise, verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmities. The Spirit helps our infirmities. This word infirmity is not sickness. It is the word weakness. Show me the amplified, please, sir. The Spirit helps our infirmities. If, you, if we identify the meaning, it, we will utilize the help. The Holy Spirit helps, comes to our aid, and bears us up in our weakness. Now wait, what is our weakness? What is our weakness? For we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. That's the weakness that he is referring to. The, so even though in my natural understanding, I don't always know the exact thing to pray or how to pray in that situation, I am not left at a disadvantage. I have His aid. He will help me. He will bear me up in this area so that even if I don't know, I can still pray about it. Even if I don't know, I can still deal with it in the Spirit. So... The Holy Spirit comes to bring this help. We need to let Him help us here. We need to ask Him for His help. We need to yield to His help. And we need to allow time in our day for praying in the Holy Spirit, for praying in tongues and letting Him give us utterances so that we, we can pray and offer the right prayer in the right situation. And then it says this. For the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So He makes intercession for us. He doesn't pray without you. That doesn't mean you can hit the snooze button and go back to bed and He's going to pray for you. The Holy Spirit... He gives us the utterances. He puts the words in our mouth. But He won't pray without us. He's not praying and we're sleeping. He will pray and make intercession. The Amplified says He goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. So the Holy Spirit, we need this help. We need Him praying. I mean, what, what would our lives look like if we allowed Him to pray for us more? Through us. Do you think it could change anything on the scape of your life, the landscape? Do you think things might look a little bit different in the future? If you said, I'm going to give 30 minutes a day to let the Holy Spirit pray what He wants to pray about me. About my family. About my kids. About my finances. About whatever. I'm going to give him time. And, and, and if he leads me, I'll give him more time. Amen? The Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us, goes to meet our supplications. When it says he helps us, the Holy Spirit helps us, uh, 
The Weiss translation says he lends us a helping hand. The, the best imagery to help us understand is, have you ever tried to move anything heavy? Maybe you've tried to move a big sectional couch or maybe you've tried to push a car that was broken down and then somebody comes running up and says, here, here, brother, let me help you. And when they push with you, especially if somebody big and brawny comes up and says, here, let me grab that side of the couch. I'll take the heavy side. Woo! <laughs> they come and they start helping you push that car up the hill. Right? And then it's a whole lot easier with them helping you push. The Holy Spirit wants to help you push. That's the picture that the word in the Greek leads us to, to see. The Holy Spirit comes and when we begin to pray about something and we begin to yield to Him and pray in tongues, He picks up His strength and begins to push that situation over into the direction of the will of God. And then it says this, He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because He makes intercession for you, for me, according to the will of God. So when you're praying in tongues, your spirit is praying, the Holy Spirit is giving you utterance. It is the perfect will of God. You wanna, this is how we know we're praying the perfect will of God about that situation. If I don't know the perfect will in my mind, I can still pray out the perfect will. He who searches the hearts of men knows what is the mind of the Holy Spirit, what His intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with God's will. This is what makes verse 28 work. And is a conjunction. Verse 28 begins with the word and. It is a conjunction. It, it, it begins with and in the King James. In the King James. And, and... We are assured, we know, God being a partner in their labor. How is He a partner? He's prayed through us. We know that all things will work together and are fitting into a plan for good. Tragedy doesn't always fit together. Ask the children of Israel who died in the wilderness. It didn't all work together for them. That's not what this verse means. Some people will use this verse in a tragic situation to try to comfort people or, and it makes people see God as the author of the tragedy. God's not the author of the tragedy. He will come and help people through the tragedy, strengthen and comfort them through it. He is not the author of the tragedy. What causes all things to work together? When we allow the Holy Spirit to pray the will of God through us, so the more time I yield to Him and the more of my, my cooperation in prayer, the more things in my life are going to work together for God. That's how I'm going to fit into the plan of God. I can't figure out the plan of God with my natural understanding, with my own thoughts. It takes the spiritual understanding that He brings and the utterances that He releases. And we need that utterance. Hallelujah. Father, thank You for the help that You bring to us through the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for each person in this room today to be strengthened with this understanding and to receive and to yield to the fullness of Your Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to give an opportunity.
If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord, just like those who were asked how they believed and they found out that they, they hadn't believed on the Lord Jesus, the moment they accepted Jesus as Lord, they were born again. Access to every good thing God has prepared for us begins with accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. He's the only one who can wash away our sin. He's the only one who can bring His new life into our spirit. If that's you today and you would say, Pastor Michelle, I don't know Jesus as my Lord, but I want to know Him today. Would you lift your hand right where you are? We want to pray with you today to accept Jesus Christ and all that He has provided in His covenant for you. Hallelujah. Everyone certain of their walk with God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to make available the Holy Spirit has been poured out but if you've never received of His fullness with the baptism and the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and you would today say, I want what Jesus said I need. I want the promise of the Father. Would you lift your hand right where you are? We want to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Everyone confident in your fullness. The Bible says be being filled. Just because you were filled once doesn't mean that you're full today. The Bible says be being filled. Hallelujah. As we are yielding to the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to, to put His utterances in our mouth, we will experience that refilling, a constant filling in our lives. Hallelujah. I believe I have obeyed the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother, did you desire to receive or do you have the Holy Spirit? Come, forgive me. I didn't see your hand up immediately. And Today is the day for the fullness to be received in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The laying on of hands just... I, I just let me talk to you for just a minute. When they laid hands on them that we saw in those two examples in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 19, that was a point of contact. It was a release of faith on my part as a believer, as a minister of the gospel who is anointed to help people receive. And it's a point of contact for you in the receiving to know that as hands are laid on me, I am at that moment going to yield to the Holy Spirit who's going to come upon me and I'm going to speak with other tongues. And when it says in Acts chapter 2, they were filled and they began to speak, the Holy Spirit will put the words, you will open your mouth. You may open your mouth to say, praise the Lord, thank you Lord, and then you will sense those words coming to you. When I first got filled with the Holy Spirit, I felt like I had one word. And I said that one word, and, and as I yielded to that, it was so 
different for me because I'd not been raised in church or been around it. And I don't know what your background is where that's concerned, but yield is the key to whatever the Holy Spirit begins because He's here and He is manifesting Himself to you in this real way. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that my brother receives of your Spirit in Jesus' name. The baptism. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now open up your mouth and begin to speak. You can start out in English. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for how you fill us to overflowing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as you continually yield to what he places, now I received that one syllable, and I went home that night, and I began in my own private time, when I was in the room alone, just began to yield, and he gave me more to say. You have received. You have received. The Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you yield to Him and let Him speak those words. Take these scriptures that you've seen today. Meditate on them and know this is the promise of the Father for you. Amen. Praise God. You have received today. You have received. Hallelujah. 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 We need the utterances that the Holy Spirit brings. We need to give Him more place. We need to give Him more time in our life. Hallelujah. I've said this before. If you came to me and you said, Pastor Michelle, I want to show you around Little Rock. And I said, I've got 10 minutes. You could take me five minutes out and five minutes back. And that's all I'm going to see. And, it, and the more time you give the Holy Spirit, the more He can show you. If you only give Him a few moments, He can only take you to five minutes out and five minutes back. But if you'll stay with Him and you'll let Him speak through you and you'll keep your attention on what He's saying. Don't just pray in tongues and autopilot and start thinking about what you need to get at the grocery store. Give your attention. I'm praying in the Spirit. And, I, and if you have to, stop every once in a while and worship for a moment to get your center back on the Lord. And then yield to the Holy Spirit. And then take a moment and say, according to Mark 11, I believe I receive what I've just prayed in the Spirit. I release my faith. Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Declare this with me. The vision of this church is to build people's faith and frame their world by the Word of God. You and I will always be world changers. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this message. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or want to share how this message has helped you, send us an email at main at buildfaith.net. This message and many more materials are available to you free of charge, can be found at buildfaith.net or at any of our location media stores. 
As always, keep the switch of faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God.